Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, each week we want to be able to talk about uh, topics or issues or items that are relevant to many of you that are listening. And when we say secrets of success, we're talking about really how can I create high performance in my life. And so today on the show, I really want to talk to those individuals who have interest. And I want you to stay tuned for a little bit because... You might not think you have interest, but through the back door, I want to suggest that most of you who are listening, that this information will apply to you today. And what this is about is around being a successful entrepreneur. You know, Bloomberg came up with some data here recently that said that 50% of the global population just by 2020 will be contract. So that means really that this idea of having a job for life is history. This idea of having a career path is probably misleading at least. So what we have right now is an opportunity in this global just-in-time society or employment or work is that really it's more about bringing a set of skills, but also expertise into the marketplace. So that can be represented as a micro-business. And so when we think about being an entrepreneur, what if I'm contracted for three months to come into an organization to do, let's say, some IT work, and then I leave and I go into something else? So I need to think of you know, what drives the successful entrepreneurial business. And what it used to be, everybody said, well, I'm not into having a bunch of employees. Well, nowadays... You don't need to have employees, quote-unquote, to actually have a successful business. The virtual world, the telecommuting, the access of individuals and experts to support your business, they don't even have to be present in the same country, not alone in the same city or in the same office. So today I really want to talk to you about um, entrepreneurial success, but also to share with you research that we did on 4,000 successful entrepreneurs and the factors that contributed to their success and their mindset. So it doesn't matter if I am moving into network marketing or building a multi-million dollar business. A lot of these same principles apply. Now, first of all, when we think about the entrepreneurial business, and when I mean entrepreneurial, you are an owner or a part owner of the business, whatever that case is. And in the past, a lot of people said, well, listen, choose a stream, an opportunity where, you know, there is a marketplace and consumers want your product and go after it. And, you know, that's fine and that's nice. But I would suggest to you that that is not the way to approach this, is that we want to be thinking about a business that serves my needs and actually serves my dreams and my goals. Let's say you have a desire to have three months a year off, but you go and you start a 24-7 corner store or a pizza shop, and you are the primary employee. Well, there 
conflict there. So lots of times when we have this situation is we have a conflict between the goal of the business, the type of business, and what you want to have for a lifestyle. So my encouragement to you is that you really back off, and you can use my book, The Quest for Purpose, to kind of frame that out for you, is that what do you want your business or life to look like? I'm going to give you two definitions here, and I'm going to use my mentors or people that I have sourced and met and met and mentored under or hung out with at different times over the last 30 years. One individual is... Robert Kiyosaki. Many of you know him through the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I met uh, Robert personally here in Vancouver many years ago. But one of the definitions that Robert has, he said, you know, there's four different sources of income. So there's employment income, there's self-employment income, there's business income, and then there's investment income. Now, there are two other sources. One is inheritance and also the lotto. Those two we're not going to include. Or If you steal it for somebody else, that's certainly something we're not going to include for the show today. So if I'm an employee, everybody gets that. I work for somebody, I get a paycheck, I get my deductions. That's kind of my world I live in. If we think about uh, self-employment, a lot of times people think they have a business, but they're really self-employed. And I think from an entrepreneurial point of view, is being self-employed is fine as long as you start funneling your success into what they call the I category, which is investments. And so that's not what this show's about, but that's something for you to consider as you go offline is how do I manage that money? And we talked about that in the money show a few weeks ago. So when we think about you know, being successful in life, is as uh, Robert Kiyosaki calls a business. A business is something that you can leave for a year and then you can come back and it's worth more than when you left it. So if I, let's say I'm the owner of Chrysler or the owner of Ford or owner of Honda and I have a CEO in charge and I come back and it's worth more than when I left it or it operates without my presence and I can put managers and other people in charge of it. Self-employed is like doctors and lawyers. We're all professionals, or myself even as a speaker. If I don't go and speak, and then there's not an income unless I have other sources, such as our online tools and books and online assessments and e-courses. All those can be leveraged out there without my presence. So I'm not telling you what direction you should go, but if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you really should decide what direction you really want to get involved with. Now, my second mentor is Alan Weiss, and I mentioned Alan before he wrote the book, A Million Dollar Consulting, and, so, and many other books, so about 60 books. And so Alan says, I don't want to have any employees. I don't want to have a business. I've leveraged his, he's leveraged his content into IP or intellectual property. He now licenses other people to use it. So that's one of his leverage points. But he says, I don't ever want to have an employee. Now, he used to be vice president of a very large company in the learning and development section. And so he understands what it is to be in the corporate world. But he says, when I'm gone, then my business is gone. So there's no judgment on what direction you should go. But as an entrepreneur, somebody that is thinking about self-employment or considering a direction and building your own business, what direction do you want to go? Some people, quite frankly, don't want to get into business. All the employees, the management of the employees, the capital that's involved. Uh, A friend of mine uh, had a very successful business. He had 6,000 employees. He said, you know what, Ken? Every twice a month uh, as a company, we had to cut checks for 
those employees, those 6,000 employees globally, it was a very, very successful IT company. They said it just got to be a burden that if I didn't, if we didn't have the contracts to support them, in one month, you could just sort of wipe out the entire sort of wealth of, that the company had accumulated if we missed a month with that many employees. So he sold it all and really now has just a handful of individuals and going in a different direction. So it's, it's really up to you and what direction you want to go. Now, I am going to encourage and get you to consider in my book, Why Aren't You More Like Me, I have a chapter about entrepreneurship and how important it is. In some societies, I know in Europe for many, many years, having a business was almost like uh, you were saying you couldn't get a real job. And so entrepreneurs were looked down upon in certain societies. And so there is research around it where what is the entrepreneurial factor, meaning the mindset, the framework, the company red or country red tape to be able to start your own business. So for uh, many countries or for some countries, uh, the idea of having your own business is saying, well, uh, excuse me, that doesn't really uh, seem to make sense or you know, you can't get a real job as vice president of some other company. That's why you had to start your own. Where there are other countries where the opposite is true is that if you start your own business, then that is a sign of success or a sign of achievement. So I'd like to remove any of that judgment both ways. If you want to stay an employee and you don't want to start your own uh, business or company, fine. However, as, we, as I started this show, your consideration is this, is if 50% of the jobs are going to be contract by 2020, and that is going to continue to grow, then the self-employment mindset, this taking care and having responsibility for your space, that is just going to be a requirement of playing in the new economy. It is not going to be an option for you. So if it's not going to be an option for you, then what are the considerations that you need to think about so as you go forward? So and we, again, we're framing this all out for you. For the first tool that I want to recommend to you that you consider if you're thinking about your own business or being self-employed is the entrepreneurial style success indicator. So we have the personal style indicator and the sales style indicator, but the entrepreneurial style success indicator has two parts to it. The first part is understanding your entrepreneurial style. You know, what are, what are the strengths that I bring to the table? When I work with my many clients, and many of my clients are family-owned businesses or small partnerships or three, four, five owners, one of the things that we really spend a lot of time on is what's the strength that you bring to that business? So, because who do we tend to like to hang out with? Who do we tend to hire in our company? We will tend to hire people who are like us when, in fact, really the advisors. Now, they might not even be employees. They might be contractors. They might be an consultant like myself or a coach or some other kind of advisor. Is you, tend, you want to be able to bring people around you who complement you but also are different than you because if we're all the same, then we have a limited perspective on growing your business or even if it's being around self-employment. Who are the people around you who can take care of the things that you don't like to do? I remember when I first got into this industry in the 80s to have my own consulting and training firm. One of the things that I struggled with is that I tried to save some money on doing my own and doing my own bookkeeping. 
so because it was just, I mean, I started on a shoestring and didn't have a lot of resources. But it was a mistake because my best gift was to be out there selling or promoting or delivering training. It wasn't there laboring over invoicing or setting up accounting systems because I really needed to farm that out. And so as an entrepreneur, you want to bring individuals, groups around you that complement you, that um, help you with your So that's why I have a bookkeeper at CRG right now. So the same thing should be for you. What's the strength that you bring? I, I was thinking about one of my clients where we recently had lunch with the partners. And one of the partners is very driven, very marketing oriented. The other one is very much more strategic, loves kind of the real estate, doesn't like managing the people quite as much. Another individual is uh, great at all the administration and the accounting. And so really as a team, they complement each other perfectly. Now, you couldn't really plan that, but really that's how it unfolded and they started to play to their strengths. And that's one of the key things if you're going to be successful in business is that you need to be able to play to your strengths. Now, I want to come back to a statement I made about five minutes ago, and that was, if I'm going to go into my own business, if I'm going to go and be an entrepreneur, then why wouldn't I get involved in an industry an organization, a direction that plays to my passion and to my purpose. Uh, One of my um, colleagues was flying to China, and he happened to uh, be sitting beside an entrepreneur that all he did is provide sand to golf courses all around the world. Do you know that there's hundreds and hundreds of different kinds of sand, different consistency of sand? He said, my friend said... This guy could talk about sand for 13 hours and never stop. He had a passion over it. Now, I would never do it. You would probably never do it. But what would it mean if the business that you were in, you were that passionate about, that you enjoyed it, that you loved it? So this idea that, yes, you need to find a marketplace to be able to serve and that the clients are out there to be able to purchase your services or your products or the solution that you're providing. But, what, but make sure that it's something that you enjoy because here's the reality from a business point of view, from an entrepreneur point of view. It doesn't always go rosy. There are some days where you wonder, are you going to be able to make it? So it's the passion. It's the purpose. It is your enjoyment of what you're doing that's going to help you to overcome some of those roadblocks. Now, there are some individuals. They actually don't even really care what business they're in. They just love the chase. They love startups. They love to take a new idea. They like to build it and in three, five, seven years. Then they sell it and they do it again. Uh, there are some that are wired that way, and that's fine. So in, their, in a way, they are playing to their passion to take these startups to drive them to the chase. That's what they are good at, and so they acknowledge that. You know, when you complete the entrepreneurial style success indicator, one of the things that comes up is you're going to get a identification of what are the four dimensions and the blends that you have in your style pattern. I won't go in depth on it. You can get my book, Why Tomorrow Like Me, to understand that and complete the online tool. But one of the things there really can give you, say, here's my strengths, here are my challenges, here are my difficulties. If I want to have a partner or if you have partners, then they complete it as well. And now you have a partner discussion about what we bring to the table, and it could be. All three of you or four of you are very similar, and then you need to bring somebody different into the fold. Now, I just want to skip over into our next component of the show today. And that is is that we identified through research of 4,000 successful entrepreneurs 
and Howard Shenson was the person who did the initial uh, research on this. And what were the foundations? What were the background? What were the characteristics? What were the qualities of successful entrepreneurs? Now, when we measure successful entrepreneurs, it's not just financial success, but it's uh, as individuals who are respected by their peers, it's individuals who a, have an enjoyable family life or relationship. So really a holistic perspective. Now, some of the things that I'm going to cover are not possible for you to be able to create. It will be interesting. But what we mean by this assessment, and you can go online to complete it if you wish, is that what's my tendencies to be like other people who have been successful in entrepreneurship. So when we, uh, I'm, maybe your score is a little bit lower. It doesn't mean you won't be successful. It just means that your thinking, your orientation, your background, your history, your uh, social teachers were maybe not aligned with other people who found it easy or easier or to be successful in an entrepreneurial venture. So not only is my style a little bit more extroverted than many, but I also grew up on a dairy farm. So my background, my environmental systems is that we were always were on our own. We had our own business, that business then as far as a family. So if you grew up in a family orientation where uh, you had a business owner as a as parents or family members, then obviously already you have an orientation or family or values or social teachers that suggested to you that this is a good environment. I'm thinking about one of my family members who grew up in a union environment. And so when we have family uh, events, it's interesting how he thinks, even though he's now retired, he thinks completely different differently than an entrepreneur. He is opposite. He's kind of got this union, everybody's got to do it for me and don't really take responsibility. And that's just his uh, mindset. Uh, he's always against the establishment and it's got to be around the, the social elements and capitalism is evil. And yes, it can be. But the reality is capitalism is what provides jobs for most of us. So just again, your background is going to influence what you think about. So I'm gonna, there's 28 factors. I'm going to highlight a few of them. So as I go through this show, just think about in your mind a scale of 1 to 10. 1, it does not describe me at all, or 10, it describes me perfectly. And I'm just going to read to you, you know, some of the items that are in our assessment for you. And so for you to start getting a sense of, do I have a sort of an entrepreneurial um, background or foundation equal to or equivalent to other people who have been very, very successful as entrepreneurs. So question number one is I showed an, an early inclination in my life towards hard work, personal achievement, and this has not diminished once I've grown older. You know, ambition is an anchor point. So if you have been ambitious, then that will be sort of the foundation for somebody to be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is driven. You don't see a lot of, quote, unquote, lazy, uh, successful entrepreneurs. So do you have the drive? And it doesn't matter what age you are, you still enjoy it. So even though I've been in this industry for 30 years, I still have that drive and that background, and so that's certainly very high for myself. You can rank yourself how high you are from 1 to 10. I've, uh, the next one is I've always had a craving to generate 
additional income. You know, a lot of times people will look at their circumstances, okay, here's what I get paid, uh, that's all I can earn, when a lot of times people will look at new opportunities to earn additional income. I remember when my son was 12 or 13, uh, we made a deal, I, would, uh, I bought a lawnmower, and then he started to cut lawns for not very many, just a handful of neighbors in over uh, you know four or five years. Then he was cutting the lawns pretty well every week for these four, two, three, four neighbors, depending on how much business that he had. And then we were able to do a revenue share on that. He helped pay for the gas, and then we shared in the cost of the lawnmower. And so all of a sudden there was some additional income that he was earning from this little micro-business when he was 12 and 13 years of age. Number three, I have a strong desire for economic security, but even if I had millions of dollars, I would be unwilling to opt for an easier lifestyle and work less. Now, you know, what's interesting is a lot of people ask the question where somebody is very, very successful, and they have all their needs met, like they would technically never have to work another day in their life. But you know, entrepreneurs, that's not really what drives them. Yes, they have that financial security, but they love the chase. They love the ability to grow. They love the ability to expand. And it's not that they're greedy. It's just that is what drives them. That is how they're wired. You know, I think about Jimmy Patterson, who is in Vancouver, British Columbia, in his 80s, still traveling around the world with one of his jets. You know, his company's worth billions of dollars as a privately owned organization, and yet he's still out there doing it. He, he wouldn't, doesn't have to. There's no need to fiscally, but he just enjoys it. He loves to contribute. So the same thing for most entrepreneurs is that uh, you love to keep going no matter what if you've established sort of a situation there where you don't, don't have to. Uh, one of the other questions that are on, I won't do all of them that we have in our assessment. You can go online to be able to take the assessment if you want to kind of get a ranking for yourself. But uh, I was an early self-starter. I had an income-producing uh, job before the age of 15. So if you're older and you didn't, then guess what? Uh, in the individuals who head towards entrepreneurship, they at a younger age already had this idea, this creativity. You know, I was talking to one of our associates, and she was mentioning that uh, the uh, flexibility or pliability of the human brain, uh, the creativity is really quite um, expansive up to the age 25. And then at age 25, it starts to contract. So that's why you have, you know, when a kid is eight years old, there's no limitations on what they're going to do, how they could live, what their businesses are going to be. And then it's at some point when they get into this mid-20s and all of a sudden that contracts. So just allow, if you have kids, just allow them to to. Uh, embrace the possibilities to think about what is possible uh, with their creativity because they have more insight, more creativity than individuals who are older uh, like myself. Uh, one of the questions here is kind of funny because it's not that um, we want to be uh, mavericks, but one of the qualities of a successful entrepreneur is I had been fired from at least one job or have quit a job in anticipation that I was about to be fired. So the background about entrepreneurs is that they don't really comply to traditional methods or structure or mandates. They really want to blaze their own trail. So either you got fired or you quit because you knew that you probably 
would get fired <clears throat> uh, sooner or later if you kept down that same uh, track. Um, <clears throat> one of the other items that come into play now, personal style leads into this, and your your what we call entrepreneurial style. I exhibited a strong need early in life to take charge of situations and to be the one in control. So you know what, uh, entrepreneurship. Now this is less so. This is not as true today as it was maybe 25 years ago. Because right now with the online world, you could potentially build a kingdom, queendom online and never meet anybody. But successful entrepreneurs have a certain drive. They want to be in charge of their life. They want to be in charge of the situation that's going on around them. So they're not going to defer. So in our model, we talk about extroversion being in charge of the environment. That's where if somebody's highly extroverted, this has nothing to do with people, then the likelihood of them being an entrepreneur, like a pure entrepreneur, is going to be a little bit uh, higher for that individual. You know, I came from a family involved in operating a family business or running a company. I mentioned that earlier, my background and for your background. So if somebody grows up in that environment of having a company or an organization, then there's going to be some perpetuity in that or carry forward from one generation to another as far as how they think about it uh, from that process. I usually feel like getting approval from, from others for a job well done is relatively unimportant to me. So entrepreneurs don't seek approval from other individuals. And if you think about it, how many entrepreneurs can we uh, mention? I mean, Stephen Jobs certainly is one of the more famous ones who really didn't care what other people thought. In fact, it got him fired uh, from Apple in the middle sort of time frame. And then they hired him back because his creativity and his drive was needed to take the company back to the next level before his passing. So the example there is that I don't really care what you think. I'm going to do this anyways. And I'm not doing this to worry about what other people think or say about me. And for sure, that is true what entrepreneurs need to do. And this is very, very important to them. Now, one of the questions is in our list, and this is a very important one for all of us that are thinking about our own business, but also it's just an important concept for us. And I know I learned this one the very, very um, the hard way. I tend to be unsuccessful with and not particularly interested in outside investments. When we had our very, very successful um, training business, and we were doing all the work for, um, you know, major automotive uh, companies across the, uh, the country. I got involved with a fair amount of <clears throat> investments that were not part of our mainstream, our business. And it's interesting, as people are successful, then you tend to attract other people who are looking for resources. It just seems to occur that way. And it was interesting, my investment in certain uh, companies or certain projects. There was uh, a company that we got involved with that was part of a, a, a group from NFL players. But what was interesting is, is that these things were total disasters because I didn't do my due diligence. So my question for you is, if you have an entrepreneurial vent, uh, bent, then what it's saying, what the research is showing, is that our lack of interest, our interest and passions go in a certain direction, is that you need to have people around you to increase your financial literacy and also protect you from unsuccessfully investing in other things that you don't have interest in. 
And so I learned my lesson is that I stopped doing that and now really invest in, in my own company, in my own sort of means, but also in real estate as part of an anchor part because I understand that, rather than all the other things that were coming my way. And so my encouragement for you is to think about that if you have your business or direction. What is it that you can get involved with that really helps you? I know that Robert Kiyosaki is quite negative towards things like mutual funds. He said that really it's people who are lazy that get involved with mutual funds. Now, this is his comment. Now, my encouragement is, is that a lot of times we can go a certain direction or really busy building a business or focusing on growing you know, uh, our self-employment, whatever that case might be, and then we don't pay attention to some of these investment things and then we lose all kinds of dollars. But I was really quite fascinated when I first took this almost 30 years ago. I said, you know what? That's true. I really have done poorly at investing in things outside of the businesses that I was interested in or part of at that time. And one of the other items is, and this has got to be careful with this, Entrepreneurs have the philosophy that they can can succeed at just about anything that they put their mind to. You know, this isn't arrogance. This is really confidence. It's not that they're better than you. It's just that as an entrepreneur, you believe that if you really focused, if you put your mind to it, that you can succeed in this space. Now, one of the authors who's now passed away, who I appreciated his work when he was here, is Wayne Dwyer. And he wrote the book, Excuses Be Gone. Now, in Excuses Be Gone, and this is my encouragement for you, if you're thinking about your own business, if you're thinking about what direction you might head or go, you know, can you do it? His question to his readers and to you was this. Is there any occasion in history where somebody else has done what you are hoping to do? In other words, where somebody has built and bought uh, real estate successfully or somebody else has opened a corner store with less uh, resources than you have or they have opened a retail restaurant or a restaurant where they just serve the food that they love from their family of origin and they just enjoy it. Uh, There's a family chain here in our local city where there are uh, several cousins and siblings, et cetera, that own four different locations, and they just rock at it, and they just enjoy it. It's just what they do. So that's part of that family heritage. So just keep that in mind, you know, as you go forward, that it's not about you feeling arrogant. And one of the things I just caution you about is that a lot of times is if you share your dreams, if you share where you're going, what you want to do with people who don't have the same mindset as you, as you do, they're going to try to steal your dream. They're going to try to talk you out of doing this project. So I just caution you that you would be maybe share it with nobody or only share it in confidence with individuals that you are like-minded, that you would appreciate their counsel, but for the purposes of moving forward, not for somebody to talk you out of it. Now, yes, you can have counsel where that you could talk through an opportunity, but there are many, many people that's interesting. They don't have the same courage as you do. They don't have the same insight. They're not an entrepreneur like you. You know, I would never uh, ask my cousin, who I do respect very, very much, very sharp individual, who has no interest in business or entrepreneurship for advice over my businesses. It just, it just doesn't make sense what 
whatsoever. So make sure that at the same time that when you rank yourself here, that you are getting feedback from other people. And now, even though I talked about not being egocentric, one of the other things that does happen with entrepreneurs is I tend to focus mostly on my own interests and concerns and tend to be egocentric. What we mean by that is they're focused, is that they're absorbed, self-absorbed in their own direction. And I don't worry about what other people say, and I have this direction I'm going to. Now, one of the things that we want to be careful of, and this is part of the dynamic of a successful entrepreneur or business owner, we, we have seen on many, many movies of individuals who have been successful where they have lost their family because of their drive. They have, uh, they have built their business at the peril of their health, at the peril of their relationships. So we want to suggest that, yes, you're going to be focused and you're going to be concerned for driving your business, but how can I have a holistic view about myself and my own uh, areas uh, that really feed into my life. I've done other podcasts where we've talked about where having friendships and having relationships will extend your life and your wellness levels will improve, your immunity will improve. So we never want to um, exclude those elements that I'm looking at. Now, one of the things here that's important when we talk about the research for successful entrepreneurs, here's a statement that I'd like you to think about. I am rather prudent and cautious, even though other people sometimes view me as being quite a risk taker. You know, entrepreneurs are not crazy. They're not uh, doing items that don't make sense, though for many individuals, that, oh, I can't believe how you pulled that off. I can't believe that you exposed yourself to that much debt or leverage is entrepreneurs and business owners, you have a direction. You know that it's possible. You don't go uh, into a venture, into a, a growth of your business, if it requires some investment, uh, without knowledge of the success on the other side, without considering all the pros and cons of the possibilities. I remember a client recently uh, getting into some new real estate, uh, some well, just a couple of years ago. And so there was some concern about the leverage and it was going to cost and it was going to take all that the business could pull off. However, already with all the things that are going on, the, it, it almost increased by 30 or 40 percentage or points from purchase price. And just it's never, it's allowed the business to grow. It's allowed the business to expand. The entire environment is better. And so all these other items that never get on the ledger have improved as a result of that person taking that risk and expanding out. But they didn't really call it a high level of risk. It was just, it was a stretch. But at the same time, uh, they were being very careful and very cautious of was it the right decision. And they crunched all the numbers and they did all of that before they made them um, pull the pin. Now, just a couple more things before we close up this time. One of the interesting things is that there was another comment that entrepreneurship says, I tend to do poorly, entrepreneurs tend to do poorly in partnerships. Well, Steve Jobs proved that. I mean, he went public, here's this multi-billion dollar company, but he really was a solo kind of driver. You know, when I bought Consulting Resource Group, there were 13 different owners. They were all sort of 
minority, minority uh, stakeholders. There were two or three primary owners. In, the, in my request, and this is something around you too as you expand your business, it's very, very important that if you're going to be in partnership with other individuals, that you be in partnership with somebody who is like-minded. Now, I was um, on a podcast with an individual recently where his partners are 20 years younger than him. That's great because they bring a new perspective. They bring uh, youth. They bring creativity. They, they, they bring this expanded view of things. But we also still want to make sure that those core values about how I operate things, how I do things, that they are aligned. And so when I bought a CRG, the deal was it had to be 100% or nothing. I just wasn't going to run the company via committee. Now, that was my choice. I'm not saying that should be for you in any stretch of the imagination, but it was something to consider is that if I was going to risk dollars, if I was going to make decisions, and yes, we have a team, and the team, we help work together to be able to make some decisions, but at the end, the final sort of executive order comes from uh, my position of being 100% owner. So, but that was important at that time. Would I add partners in the future? That's possible. Uh, but part of it, it has to do, it has to be somebody that's aligned that really uh, makes sense to work together. Most entrepreneurs, uh, that doesn't work for them quite as well. That's why a lot of times entrepreneurs will take a startup, they'll uh, grow it, and then they flip it so that they can be back on their own making some decisions around that as well. So, you know, there are some ideas for you. Those are some considerations. You know, are you attuned? Are, do you have the background? Do you have the foundations of being a successful entrepreneur? So that's just a few of the items that are part of our research. I just want to encourage those of you that are listening that if you've ever thought about having your own business, if you thought about being self-employed, I encourage you that you um, don't have the mindset of regret or the emotion of regret that you would take the step, that you would go forward with um, an opportunity that once you've vetted it, once you've looked at it, that you can uh, start on something. Sometimes you can start a home-based business that will grow over time, and then you can switch and you move over from your job or your other income. So do it wisely. Do it smartly. Do it in a way that works for you. I think about realtors where a lot of times – in the past, you had to be sort of full-time real estate, but now a lot of times you can have a part-time job. You can do the real estate. It's now uh, mostly an e-business as far as being all the documents. It's changed how people can be entrepreneurs. The, the e-world has allowed you to be able to get into this space easier and faster, more successfully, uh, with less investment than any time in history. So I just encourage that you would think about it. And one of the things for consideration is that you would complete the entrepreneurial style success indicator. It is a tool here that has two assessments in it that be able to get you clear about what your uh, business style is and the strengths and difficulties that your style has as far as owning your own business or being an entrepreneur. And then rank yourself on the 28 foundations of entrepreneurship and then how, what's your mindset as it compares to other people, your peers who have been successful ahead of you.
Well, thank you again for uh, being with me and with our guests as we add some guests. And one of the things I do want to ask uh, my listeners is that if you have just an outstanding individual that would just rock it as a guest on Secrets of Success, then I just ask that you would forward that to the office there, info at crgleader.com. And so as we expand into our reach, uh, just uh, we thank you in advance. The other one is if you like what we're doing, if you appreciate the content, then please share this with other individuals. Pass it on. To Do leave uh, some uh, comments, either on SoundCloud or iTunes. That just really helps us to grow the tribe, to be able to expand and to reach others. You know, I always appreciate you providing uh, and participating with the most valuable resource that you have, and that's your time. So thank you for being with us on the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the Secrets of Success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.